Man, there's a lot of us out there that uh, sit in that space where you wake up, you go to work, you got a family, you're a dad, you got other responsibilities, and there's a lot to juggle. And sometimes you wonder if it's all possible, if you can do it all, if you can juggle life with family, life in the gym, life outside of the workspace, if you can do all of those things and provide and feel like you are a connected human being. Well, I'm here to tell you that I'm really excited about this particular episode because while social media was not one of my favorite spaces to play in about five or six years ago, I have now fallen in love with the ability that we have to connect via social media. It really is about walking into a space and you have people from all over the country, all over the world that you can connect with. And today's guest is someone who not only lives that professional life, but also lives the fit, healthy, family, tribe-centered, focused life that we talk about at Evolve. Welcome to the Evolve Podcast. Evolve your body, evolve your mind, Evolve your soul and evolve your tribe. And now it's time to disrupt. And with that, folks, we want to welcome you to another episode of the Evolve Podcast. I am your host, Steve Cutler. I am lost somewhere in the mountains of Utah. And I literally mean lost because yesterday it was 80 and springtime. And today I'm looking out my window and we've got snow. But I am really excited, and uh, we are really fortunate to be joined uh, by a gentleman that uh, I met on LinkedIn, and we connected via some uh, shared connections and shared comments, and uh, here we are today doing an episode together. Uh, Pete Duran, thanks so much for coming on. My pleasure. It's uh, it's good to be here. We we did this on my show, and I was looking forward to flipping the script and the microphone back to you, so here we are. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. Well, Pete Durand has spent his early years uh, in various sales, marketing, and operational roles at Fortune 500 companies such as Kimberly Clark, Eaton, and General Electric. He joined his first startup in California in the late 1990s and was hooked. In 2009, Pete started Rival Health, a SaaS company, delivering fully customized and individual fitness solutions to employees. After growing the business in all 50 states, 12 countries, and 66 languages, he changed thousands of people's lives and merged the company with G Behavior to form G Pivot Solutions, the leading well-being platform in the U.S. After the merger in 2017, Pete formed Crucible Partners, a boutique consulting and talent agency. Pete is a patent holder, a podcast host, an accomplished triathlete, exercise junkie, and nutrition nut. Pete holds a BS in industrial engineering and an MBA and a former Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year in the Carolinas Award. He lives in Apex, North Carolina with his lovely wife uh, and is the father of three amazing offspring as well as a grandfather. Pete, once again, welcome to the Evolve Podcast. We should stop the show right now. That's the, that's the coolest thing people and anybody's ever said about me right there, even though I wrote it. <laughs> it's always cool, I think. Even if you write it and you have somebody tweak a thing here or there, you're like, oh, hey, I'm not as bad as I think I am. You know, people always ask, what's your bio? I'm like, oh, I should put more bad stuff in there. Yeah, right. 
it's funny how we write our bios and we hit mm -hmm. some of these high points and then we look at ourselves and we say, well, but we're not all of that. But uh, it is good to look back and see some of the things that we've accomplished. And I love how you talk about, uh, you know, being a father and, and uh, a, a husband and being uh, now a grandfather, which has mm -hmm. got to be a completely different experience, which uh, I'm it's looking forward to in the next uh, few years as we are adding a uh, a son-in-law here in the next uh, year or so. Well, congratulations. Well, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Well, Pete, I got to tell you, I mean, I've been looking forward to this episode for quite some time. For our listeners, they're having to wait just slightly longer because uh, we had an episode scheduled and uh, at Three in the morning, I wake up in this panic, realizing that uh, things in the house are not quite working. And not just the power, but the Wi-Fi was down. The power comes back on and the Wi-Fi does not. And I think it was about a day later that uh, Xfinity got us back on. But I thought to myself, this is an absolute first that we I have had to cancel a recording because I didn't have Wi-Fi. So I'm sure our listeners are going to love this episode, especially because they had to wait a little bit longer. Sure. So tell us a little bit, tell our listeners a little bit about how you evolved into this version of yourself. You know, I, uh, it's, it's a great question. I think when I look, when I look at healthcare today and the challenges we face, and I literally had this conversation two hours ago, Steve, I'm a product of my parents. Hmm. Most people are a product of how they grew up, right? Their right. parents, the yep. environment, their house, their brothers, their sisters. You you absorb a lot more through action than you do through words. So watching right. what my parents did. Um, my mom um, was obese from the time I remember her, struggled with her health, still does, has a very horrible relationship with food. I have two sisters who've struggled with that as well. Mm. They're all in a better place today, which is great. Um, but my dad was, he's just kind of a man's man, right? Very quiet. But he grew up working on a farm. He built or made everything he used, his tools. Wow. Worked worked his butt off. He's a, he's a carpenter. He's an engineer. He's a plumber. He's an electrician. He can do just about anything. And he always exercised when I was a kid. Very cool. He was a high school all American wrestler, college wrestler. Um, he's he's probably five eight now, seventy seven. My bet is he could put me in my back and still not tell me how. I don't. He probably could. <laughs> But I have this, to throw that out as a challenge now. Yeah. Well, I don't want to. Yeah. I think I probably, if I just fell on him, it'd probably hurt him. So I got to be somewhat careful. There you go. There you go. But, uh, you know, as a kid, the, the best memory I can give you to answer the question is he would, I grew up in Wisconsin. It was cold. And in the middle of the winter, he would go run around our, our town and he'd do these five mile runs with these really vintage Nike running shoes. And he'd come back in the house and he'd be sweating and steam would be coming off of him from how cold, just heat coming off of him. And he had this massive vein on the side of his head that was just bulged. Wow. And as a kid, I just looked at that and said, that is badass. Like, yeah, that is yeah. totally badass. I, I never saw a problem he couldn't do. If he got hurt, never winced, never made any pain. So that was my example, right? I just, I just gravitated towards exercise, competitive sports whatever. So, um, I don't know, I don't know that I really found my way until after college, but that was kind of my, that's the core earnings and learnings that I had right there. I think it's uh, there's a lot of us where the early stages of life, we've picked up a lot, right? I mean, for me, I, 
I lived right by the mountains. And so I grew up with mountain bikes when they were invented. Uh, I mean, yeah. we had BMX bikes when I was a kid. And then all yeah. of a sudden this thing called a mountain bike shows up. And so my brother, uh, older brother gets one. And that was my, uh, you know, my, my way of saying, okay, now I'm going to go be active in this way. I had brothers that played basketball and baseball and ran track. And so I followed in their footsteps and my dad had played, uh, some basketball as well. So we picked those things up. Your story also reminds me a bit of in episode 85, I had my good friend, Jeff Stokes, who's the president of stride fitness, uh, a, a guy who, is in the executive space and started way back when with mom and dad setting that example. Uh, yeah. It's doable for many men though. They really struggle with this concept of how do they balance family fitness, the demands of the day to day. And I think especially as people move into a higher level executive type role, this mm -hmm. is a big challenge for men. Yeah. Because they feel the weight, they feel the pressure, the demands that are put on them. Talk a little bit about what you're seeing, because I know your company is uh, a company that helps to place people in these executive roles. You guys right. uh, consult with people. What are you seeing? What are you hearing? Uh, it's not going away. In fact, it's probably getting worse. Right. So we, we've both been there. I, you know, I, I've had several jobs in leadership roles, running companies where the pressure was 24 seven. Yep. It's easy. And I think where people get caught is it takes about a month. If you skip out for a month on exercise, eating healthy, your body's no longer kind of misses it, right? For a month, you're like, oh, I haven't worked out today. I, yeah. I really feel bad. But when you get past that month, your body readjusts. It kind of gets adjusted to this new routine. And then you don't think about it. And then you look down at the scale six months later and there's 50 pounds there that weren't there before. Yeah, You're not sleeping well. And I think once you cross over from being a little overweight to obese, then it becomes even harder to come back. Because just those first few days in the gym or trying to eat less when your stomach is so big, it's so hard for people to get past that. So uh, I... I this is such an individual thing, right? You and I can break down the basics and the science behind exercise, nutrition, intrinsic motivation. And I think we're both wired the same. And for me, I, that's where I like to live. But for someone that doesn't, they're so far from getting there. Um, that first thing we have to do to your point is figure out why, why yeah. are you here? Yeah. What is what's what else is going on in your life that has pulled you away from this important aspect? You got to get that figured out first to open that space up for them to step back into that that healthy living. That's a great point. You know, the body is designed to stay in a state of what's called homeostasis. And for listeners that don't understand what that is, it basically means don't mess with us. Mm -hmm. The body wants to stay in this even kill, whatever it takes state. And so if that's a really poor state of health, that is homeostasis currently. Yes. And so, as you said, about a month in, you've got a new level of homeostasis. If you are now obese, you have a new level of homeostasis and your body will fight against any of that change. It will fight to stay in whatever state you have created. And so I think that 
getting over that hurdle to create a new homeostasis, a new level of normal is the biggest challenge. So you're hearing and you're seeing a lot of executives that are really struggling with this and they've gone downhill significantly. Getting started is the challenge. What what do those conversations look like? What are you seeing as people start to make some changes? So we need to touch on what you just described, which I think a lot of people miss, mm-hmm. right? So the biggest loser was a huge hit for a while. Yeah. And what they don't talk about is the four or 500 people that went through that program, you know, 490 of them gained all the weight back. Yeah. Because homeostasis just doesn't allow for the body to lose hundred pounds in 90 days. No, nope. it's just not. It, it. It, it wants to return it back to where it was. Right. The, and you know, if you pay attention, there are some, you know, plus or minus whatever, but about a pound or two a week is this kind of safe zone where you wake up the next morning, you've lost a quarter of a pound. Your body goes, I'm pretty good. Yeah. Not much, not much has changed. We're good. I'm maybe a little sore, right? Maybe you missed my Coke that I normally had, but I can, I can do this. So when you introduce those gradual changes, that gets back to how we try to sit down with an executive or a leader or a parent who's struggling. And that is let's, let's try to make some small changes. Before I even go there with a lot of clients, I try to understand why they want to make a change. Mm. What, what has you here? Why are you here today? Sometimes it's, and you know, these stories are sad, but they motivate people. I took my kid to the amusement park and I couldn't get on the ride because I couldn't fit in the seat. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Heard that. Right. That's hard. Um, I sat in an airplane and I'd take two seats, get the seatbelt extender. That's hard. Yeah. Um, I'm not sleeping. My wife doesn't look at me the same way, vice versa. Those are those are interesting, but those are those are external motivating factors. Mm-hmm. Right. Why do you want to be here? And then you drill into what kind of a father do you want to be? What kind of a spouse do you want to be? And then we get deep into that. And then we say, all right, let's let's bite this off and let's set a goal for where we want to be in one year. That's the first, not, let's not worry about next month. Where do you want to be in a year? Kind of visualize that goal. All right, it would be, to your point, I want to go hiking in Utah somewhere. My favorite mountain when I grew up, I want to go and hike that mountain again. All right, well, let's yeah. figure out how we do that in a year. Um, and then it's, uh, I think the, the biggest challenge people face is they think they've got it figured out. I don't know if it frustrates you, but as a, as a coach, when I, or a trainer, when I say, well, we're going to do this, like, well, I don't like to do it that way. I like to do it this way. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm out. That's not how we're going to do this. Right. If I'm dealing with someone who's a head of finance and they tell me this is how I need to balance my books, I'll probably listen to them. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. So let's turn the tables. You should probably listen to what we're telling you. Yeah. A couple of things I want to unpack there. The first one is the length of the goal. I think that's so critical. We have in our day and age, I call it the fast food age, the fast everything age. Oh yeah. We have gotten to the point where we think results should just be immediate because why not? Right. I can go to McDonald's. I can drive through Starbucks. I mean, I can get a 1200 calorie uh, drink oh, yeah. from Starbucks in no time whatsoever. I, in fact, I saw someone recently as I took my daughter to Starbucks, we'll do these, uh, these, these coffee dates where we go. Uh, she loves the little drinks and we'll sit there and have our time together. And I saw a human being berate another human being oh. because it took so long. Right. And, and I don't know what that was. Two minutes, yeah, to get maybe. this, yeah, to get their drink, to get their thousand calorie drink. When we set a longer term goal, 
we now have the right expectations that we can manage. We're not exactly. looking for 50 pounds. We're not looking for ripped abs in uh, a month. Oh, I ate a piece of lettuce. And so now I'm okay. So I love the timeline piece. I think that is so, so critical. Talk a little bit more about that. And then I want to come to the other one. Why so, is that timeline piece so important? I, I think it helps set expectations so people don't get frustrated, right? Well, I think if I if I hire this Steve Cutler guy, I'm going to lose 50 pounds in three months and I'll be done. Yeah. So it, I think for me, it's important, A, to establish the right expectations, and B, the, this is the most important part. You can never stop doing this. Right. Yeah. Right. There, this, isn't a, this isn't a project, mm-hmm. right? It's not like you get fit and then you can stop. Yeah. So making sure that they form habits and, and, and I'm, I, I like the idea of find an exercise you like. I think that's important, but guess what? There are some exercises you have to do. You're not going to like. Absolutely. And you need to get okay with that. You need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, skipping that Big Mac or that, that frappe or that, you know, Starbucks, you're not going to like that, but you need to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. So there are just sort of things you have to get comfortable and be that tough person that says you're going to have to do some things you're not going to like, and you're going to have to get used to it. Um, no one, no one achieves fitness without sacrifice period. And they think it's easy for us, Steve. I don't like necessarily getting up at 5am every day. There are some days I certainly would like not to do that, Yep. but I do it. And, um, and I think that learning of self-discipline changes not only their, their health, but their mental state. Yeah. Um, you you know when you're if you're competing with other accountants, I'll just use that again. If you can run longer, faster, better, and be better at your game because you're mentally and physically, and it it changes the way you walk through the front door at night, changes the way your spouse and your kids look at you because you've got your shit together. Yeah. So you can measure it on the scale, you can measure it um, in the gym, but if you can measure it in your emotional mental state, that's where I think the real change happens. Well, yeah, and you you develop this awareness that goes, I, I think, even deeper to the soul. You know, oh, you yeah. develop this ability to just stand there and be. You know, the oh, other yeah. day, I, before we started the recording, we were talking about my recent uh, jaunt to Zion National Park. Mm-hmm. And I had a couple of days where I was really fortunate to just, I, I was in between time with the family and time with the lecture. Yeah. And so I ran through the park and literally I, I decided, okay, these are the trails I'm going to go run. So here I am out there. The weather's great. So I'm running without a shirt on. I got my backpack on and people are laughing at me, joking, making fun of me for the fact that I'm running through the park. Where's this guy? Well, look at this. Look at this guy. You know, I don't care. I genuinely don't care. I am completely comfortable. I had the most soul deepening experiences. I come running around after passing everybody and no one is out on the furthest end of this trail and by myself, I see these two beautiful waterfalls, mm-hmm. the turkeys run by, the deers go by. I mean, it just, it's the most amazing thing. And I think that happens when you lean into difficulty. I don't know if you've experienced this, Pete, but I've had clients, and this comes to the second point that I want to talk about, where people will give pushback and they say, well, I don't like to do that. I want yep. to do this. And I just look at them and think, huh. You know who else doesn't want to do the things that it takes to get the results? Babies. 
Babies don't want that either. Little kids, toddlers, they don't want that either. The difference between us as adults and toddlers and babies is we choose to do hard things. Yes. I had a client one time look at me, just busted up laughing, and I didn't even have to punch the number on his cycle. He just started punching it higher. Yeah. Talk about that concept of listen to the expert. Well, listen to the expert. And you also hit something that I think is important for anybody headed down this journey to understand. You've got to be, you've got to be comfortable being alone. Uh, you know, well, I can't, I can't because my coach wasn't there. I can't because I couldn't get to class that day, or I can't because I like to work out with other people. I, all those, all these excuses, guess what? I work out by myself every day. Yeah. I'm not saying that's for everybody. My wife loves group classes. She loves interacting with her friends. So does mine. They feed off each other. She loves it. But she knows there are days where she, it doesn't make sense. Schedule doesn't work out where she will go for a run. She'll do her own workout. For me, like you experienced in the park, it is the only time of the day where I am truly alone with my own thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. And when I'm dealing with someone that doesn't want to listen to the coach, this is the this is the conversation. Can you do this without me here? That's the only way you will be successful. I'm I'm here to guide you. I can't do the push-up for you. I can't walk past the ice cream stand for you. You will have to figure out how to be comfortable by yourself. You'll have to be comfortable with people laughing at you. Yep. When you're doing it. And all you got to do is smile and say to yourself, I know something you don't. I'm a badass. Yeah. And I don't I have to that. prove it to anybody. I love that. So uh, I think that's and, and when and and if you're coaching them the right way, you're telling the story, you're leading the witness, you're getting them to feel this, <laughs> right? You're getting them to feel yes. like, wouldn't it be great yeah. yeah, if you could walk through your gym with your headphones on in a bright orange shorts with no shirt on and a Santa hat and not give a shit what anybody yeah. else thinks. Right. That's freedom right there. It's freedom. I'm telling you, that is freedom. You mm-hmm. are free from the tyranny of other people's thoughts, emotions, and feelings at that yeah. point. Yeah. yeah. And, and and I think a lot of people that are headed down this path have to cross a chasm where they're, they may be doing this for other people. Right. And I, I think, by the way, right. I'm okay sure. with that. Right. If you're doing yep. it for your kids and your spouse, that's a great place to start. Yep. But you will never achieve success unless you figure out how to do it for yourself. Because doing it for yourself is what gets you out of bed in the morning when you don't want to. Yeah. Right. Because if your family's not there and your kids, they don't see you get out of bed, they may not notice, but you notice. You know you didn't do it. Yeah. And going back to what you said earlier, I so like you, I get up at the same time uh every morning. Mm-hmm. And this morning, when the alarm went off at 4 a.m., um, I didn't want to get up. And when I got up and I started walking, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm so sore today. I am so tired. I'm exhausted. Yeah. And I did my normal routine. And by the time I sat down, put my hand on the book to read, uh, I started to feel a little bit better, but not great. Yeah. And my body's screaming at me and saying, hey, asshole, what are you doing? Go back to bed. Yeah. But nobody's up. My wife's not up at that time. My kids are not up at that time. I had somebody recently tell me, yeah, if I get up at four, it's to go pee. And then I go back to bed and, uh, I just, uh, I, I do it for me. And so I think to the point that you were making of, you've got to be accountable for yourself and then you have to lean into that difficulty. Mm-hmm. I think there's something to be said for becoming an expert in the body, but not just yeah. in the body, but in your body. 
Correct. Coaches will guide you along the way if you listen to them. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you have to do the thing that's right for you. Yes. You have to learn what works for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is a critical piece. No one can guide you on your mental journey. No one can guide you on your emotional journey. No one can guide you on your spiritual journey right. to the point where you have this deep, deep sense of self. And it's the same thing with your physical journey. People yeah. get you started. But if you don't become an expert in your body over time, you will never achieve the life that you could if you don't get alone. If you don't take the time and figure it out on your own. Well, and time is such an important thing. You're talking about time. I, uh, when I had my fitness company, I created an app called two choices. Mm. And a lot of people use the term two choices wrong. Um, you know, you have two choices, you can do this or that. Well, that's actually one choice, right. With two alternatives. So I created a, a, an app and, and I said to people, I said, look, if you look, if you look at how successful people find a way to balance their their health, their career, their family. They have two choices that they can make every single day that are 100% their own. And by the way, that doesn't mean that sometimes your day gets jacked up because your kid gets in a car accident or your mom gets sick. Those things, the internet goes out. Those things happen, right? Right. Right. But in general, if you are disciplined enough to make the right two choices, when those bad things happen, you get through it, you do it, and you don't think twice about it. We choose... Well, we put it in our mouth every day. We have yeah. the ability to choose what we eat. Now, kids in school, not so much, but when they come home as a parent, I help them choose that. That's my responsibility. So you choose yeah. what you eat and no one can choose what you put in your own mouth. That's 100% your decision as an adult. Mm-hmm. You also choose what to do with your time. And I, when, I, when I say that to people, like, what do you mean? Like, I, I said, you choose what to do with every minute you have in the day. Yep. So when you come home from work, you can choose to sit on the couch, open a bag of Doritos and have a beer and watch TV for six hours. Or you can choose to go to the gym or you can stand in your family room and kick your own ass for 35 minutes without yeah. a single piece of equipment. Yeah. It's 100% up to you. And by the way, if you want to watch TV, throw on your favorite next Netflix show and do 100 burpees, 10 every minute. You can't while you're watching the show. Like literally. Yeah. There's yeah. no reason not to do that. If you have a, I mean, there's no reason not to exercise anywhere. You can do these things, but don't blame it on your environment. Don't blame it on your boss. Don't blame it on your spouse. Don't blame it on your kids. You choose what to do with your time. When I play that card, there are there's a category of people that I would that I would say have a pretty good reason to push back on that, and that's single parents. Yes. Okay. Yep. Single parents, you. boy, I. So that's road. a hard it's a hard road right mm-hmm. because all of your time is now consumed with doing everything for your kid like everything you just yeah. you just don't so it's harder there are people that figure it out by the way I have mad respect for them yep so for that season you're in your life you may have to make some sacrifices maybe it's I'm cooking dinner I do squats every 10 minutes I just be careful what I meet when the kids aren't so there's ways around it but I will tell you single parents have a tough road. So I, I think that's, and we're getting deep into psyche, deep into the way we were raised, our current life situations. But that's why, as you mentioned earlier, everybody's different. You got to find out how to treat your body, your situation, and then you have to adapt. Yeah. And 
I would say, I, I agree 100%. I've had uh, a lot of single parents that uh, I've worked with, and I've had a lot of single parents that worked for me when I was mm-hmm. in leadership roles. Yeah. Uh, one in particular, she loved to run, and running was her lifeline, so to speak. Yeah. As a single parent with three young boys, she had to figure out, how do I do this? Yeah. How do I continue to run? And she figured it out and continued to run, I don't know how many marathons as a yeah. single parent, um, and fit it in and figured out how to do all of that stuff. And sometimes it was, okay, we're going to go to run to the park with the boys. I'm going to run around the park while the boys play so that I yeah. can keep an eye on them. And the creativity allowed her to focus on her training. And so sure. on a day where it was park day, that was her fast day. That was her speed pure, day. She would do speed work. Pure genius. The kids are within sight. I'll yep. sprint to the end line, sprint back around, whatever. Right. I, you know, my kids all played competitive sports. They're all D1 athletes. And so I spent for 15 years every weekend in some part of the country at a soccer tournament. Yeah. Yeah. And there were very times where my wife was in a separate part of the country with a different kid at a soccer tournament. Wow. Wow. And, you know, we'd get there an hour before the game and most of the parents are sitting there drinking coffee, eating donuts. Yep. And I'd do interval sprints around the field. Yeah. People thought I was nuts. And then a couple other dads were like, can I join in? And then we do, we do little CrossFit workouts. You know, we do yeah. burpees, sprints, push-ups, jump squats, whatever. We found picnic tables, whatever we could find. We we're doing parkour. It was awesome. And, yeah. and, you know, the kids are sweaty. You're sweaty. What's the big deal? So those are their, to your point, those are, those are the adaptions you make. Cause that weekend, those weekends, I'm a single parent. Yeah. Right. And you just figure, and then your kids, by the way, I guarantee you, my kids are looking at me running on the field going, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and right. even if they think you're weird and it's not awesome, then it's awesome later. Oh yeah. They're they're That discipline shows up for them. Cause they, if they were thinking about sitting, having coffee and, and a donut, they know what they should be really doing. Yeah. My yeah. kids now know, um, you know, I'll be 47 next month and they know that, uh, when we're out on a hike together, when I say, okay, it's, it's trail pushup time, they know they've got to at least hit their, uh, age. Cause if dad's doing 47, that means he's doing the most. Absolutely. And so my 20 year old's going to hit 20. My 17 year old's going to hit 17 plus. Like they just know what that is. Yeah. And it, it's become a fun challenge, not only with them, but my, I've got a niece that when we go uh, hiking up at our, uh, the family's uh, cabin, she'll always say, Hey, can I come with you guys? And now that she's been coming with us more often, she'll, we'll, I'll, we'll just come up with these crazy challenges. And I'll look at her and say, okay, Esther, we're going to jump on to the, instead of doing our push-ups on the ground, we're going to go over to that bridge and we're going to, you know, put our feet on one end of the bridge, yeah. and hands on the other end. And we're going to do push-ups yep. from the bridge. Yes. And so there's photos of me and my niece and my uh, sister-in-law and my wife doing these push-ups from the bridge. And it creates this fun challenge. And you never know where those things are going to you know, play out. So I think the creativity, the ability to just make those choices, to take your power and say, what goes in my mouth, it's 100% up to me. What I do with my time, it's 100% up to me. I, I couldn't agree more with those two choices. Yeah. I, I, uh, 
I used to go on an annual, I'm not a golfer, but there was about seven or eight guys are good friends of mine. None of us are really good golfers. We just went one weekend a year and hung out at a buddy's house. It was always during college basketball, the NCAA tournament. We'd watch oh, hoops. Cool. We'd play golf for a couple of days. Uh, we'd make a really good meal together, go out and have fish one night. And during one of these years, it was a particularly difficult time for me at work. I was really busy getting workouts in was a challenge. Mm. And due to some travel, I hadn't worked out in two days. So we played golf that Friday. And I told the guys, I'm going to get my workout in while we're playing golf. They said, how are you going to do that? I'm going to do 20 different types of push-ups at every hole at the tee tee box. Nice. So I was doing regular push-ups, incline push-ups with my feet up on the golf cart and dips off the back of the golf cart. Now, it sounds good, Steve. But by the 18th hole, I realized I was, you know, I'm now doing three, this is my 360th push-up. Yeah, that's a lot of (laughs) push-ups. And I don't care how fit you are. That is not easy to do. Well, I didn't have to try to swing a golf club. I'm bad yeah. anyhow. It was. It was <laughs> I didn't even was, think about that. It was really bad. But they. I, and it got I'm not to even going to ask what point. you scored that weekend. Oh, I, I never yeah. keep score because I'm so bad. But at the end, it was good, the guys good. were kind of getting a kick out of it, like, look at. There's no way he's going to get these last two out, you know. And at that point, I've got to. So uh, yeah. That creativity though has got to be there, and I think that's. I I'll tell you, I love how you talk about that. Uh, those are the two choices that we have every day. I I think back to uh, some beliefs that I used to have. That once I hit uh, 40, that I would, you know, it was just not, I, there was no way I was going to be able to stay fit and healthy and look like I did when I was younger. Right. And so then little by little, I would make these beliefs and these excuses as to why I couldn't do something. And one day I, I asked myself, have I really tried since I hit 40 to get into the best shape that I could be in? I was always in decent shape, but right. then there was a point where, uh, had some health issues. I got probably 30, 35 pounds overweight. And then I lost that, but then I was still just okay. Right. And I said, but what if, what if I pushed myself, how low could I go in my body fat? How strong could I get in my major lifts? And so I made a commitment and I, my commitment was to do a certain amount of exercise every single day, certain amount of time, certain amount of steps. And I remember one day I'm looking down and I think, oh, I don't, I haven't hit my step goal. And it's like 1130 at night. Normally I'm in bed by yeah. eight or nine, Yeah. but we had something going on. We had a party or something that we had gone to. And I thought I started calculating. If I go run around the block multiple times, I could probably get it in. Oh, but I'm in my jeans and I'm in my t-shirt and, I, and then I have to go change and that's going to be 10 minutes. And I looked at myself in the mirror and I thought, it's 1130 at night, you big dummy. Nobody cares if you're in jeans and a t-shirt. And I ran outside in my jeans and t-shirt around the block multiple times, came back in at 1159. My wife looks up at me, said, you hit your steps. I said, I did. And all of the excuses at that point melted away. And I have never looked at those excuses the same since. Yeah. And ever since that time, I made a commitment that I was going to be in single digits uh, in my body fat percent for as long as I can. And I have been since that day. Well, not since that day, but since the day that I made the commitment and got there. So I think that there are beliefs that we pick up along the way, excuses that we're gathering. Yeah. What are some of the most common that you hear from people? Um, Well, obviously, number one is I don't have time. It's the number one excuse I heard. I just don't have time. And I will take, like I said, single parents, the only people I'll actually give a little consideration to, but everybody else, I'm like, that's complete bullshit. 
Yep. Um, I, I speak at a lot of conferences and I spoke at a conference and I had uh, a couple, there was five or 600 people. A couple of people got up and walked out because really? they, they, oh yeah, they didn't want to hear that aspect of it. Wow. And two of them waited for me in the lobby and said, what do you mean? I don't have time. And so they came at me and I said, well, good. I said, um, let's have this discussion. Um, and one of them was at a college and okay. this, uh, this woman was the head of employee well-being at a college. Okay. So she was in charge of all the faculty and staff's well-being. And if you've been to a college campus recently, their wellness facilities are like country clubs. Oh, it's amazing. Millions of dollars that they put into them. I mean, there's no, you go to work every day at a place that has a world-class facility. Yes. Yes. And this woman um, is probably 200 pounds overweight. And she says, I don't have time to work out. I said, well, um, not only do you have time to work out, you have time to make better choices. She said, what do you mean? I said, is that a 32-ounce sweet tea in your hand? She said, yeah. I said, what's my hand? She goes, a bottle of water. I said, there's a choice. It's 500 calories you just drank. Yeah. 500 empty, no good for you calories. And you're not really hydrated. It's full of a bunch of bad caffeine, all sorts of other things. I said, I just drank some water. By the way. I went to the. I said I went to Bojangles to get this bottle of water on the way to speak here because it was the only place open. <laughs> That's awesome. I pulled in the exact same store you were at, and I bought a different item. So there's a choice. It's a different store or a different choice in the same. Different store. choice. And I said, um, I said, what time do you get here every day? She said around eight. Okay. I said, well, I've been up for three or four hours at eight o'clock already. I don't know what time you got up. I said, did you choose what to wear to work today? She said, yeah. I said, did you choose to come to work today? She said, yeah. I said, so you're obviously capable of making a choice. I said, what time do you leave work every day? She goes, four o'clock. I said, you leave here at four o'clock and you walk by all of that athletic equipment every day at four o'clock. You walk right by it. She goes, yeah. I said, what do you do when you go home? Well, what do you mean? I I said, what do you do? She does nothing. She basically goes home, putts around, watches TV. I said, you absolutely have time. You're choosing not to use it. And a wall broke down. She looked at me and said, you're right. So I think time's the biggest one. I think the other thing, Steve, and you'll realize this is there's, and, and I've, uh, by the way, I don't know about you. I've had to, f- I've had to figure this out myself. Mm-hmm. Like you, I'm the guy where if, if I say I'm going to do 30 reps of this particular exercise, I don't stop until I get to 30. I don't yep. care what happens. I'm getting 30. Yep. And I'm just, I just, because I just have this, I don't want to lie to myself. Like I just can't accept lying to myself. I just, I don't wake up, look in the mirror in the morning and go, dude, you suck. I just don't like that. Yeah. But I'm a little extreme. So when I hear people say it hurts or I can't do that particular exercise, I've had to step back and rethink my approach and say, okay, what is it about that exercise you don't like? What hurts? And how can we gradually introduce you to that movement so that you can eventually accomplish it? So um, time, pain, and discomfort are excuses. Um, uh, I think the other one that I hear is I don't see results fast enough. Mm, that's a great, that, that is a great, great one to bring up because I hear that often too. I mean, you go to the gym, you work out, you get on the scale the next day, you're not going to see a change. Right. You're not going to have the big biceps. The, right. The, I mean, the this isn't going to show up, but that doesn't show up in one day. Right. Right. So... I think that's it. They don't realize their body shape isn't going to change in one day. Their scale is not going to change in one day. How they feel isn't going to change in one day. Although I tell them that one will change faster. How you feel will start to change much quicker. 
you'll sleep sounder. You'll have a little bit better mental acuity. You'll be emotionally a little bit more balanced before you start to look and the results show up in the scale. You will feel differently. That's an interesting one that I I, I think it's important we pause for a second on because yeah. it, we're talking about professionals, you know, more often than not, right? These are people who they've got a job, they've got uh, oftentimes they're in a leadership type position, right. and they say, oh, "I don't have time." But when it comes down to, or excuse me, they, they say, well, I'm not seeing results. So I want, to, I want to talk about the results piece. I'm not seeing results fast enough. My question back to them is how long does it take you to achieve a certain result in your business? So most people look at things on a quarterly or an annual cycle. Right mm-hmm. now, yes, we manage things on a month-by-month basis, but most of the KPIs in any business we look at on a quarter by quarter basis. And then we look at it annually and say, okay, how did we do? What was our year on year growth? You know, are we seeing the same store sales growth that we did last year? No one is looking at the, the change in your EBITDA from hour to hour or day to day. You are looking to see if your bottom line has made the number that it needs to make at the end of that month, end of the quarter and end of the year. Why is it any different with your health and fitness? What is it that you may that you think you're going to do one input and it's going to give you these amazing results? And that's the thing yeah. that I talk to my executives about. So say, listen, the KPIs have got to be relevant to what your goal is, and it's got to be relevant to the timeline. So I just started with uh, a few months ago with a CEO of a large SaaS company, and we've been working out. And I said. I, I don't want you to stand on the scale and worry about that. I don't want you to think about anything because that's not the KPIs we're going to measure. That's sure. the long-term KPI, but the first KPI that we're going to do is we're going to see, can you get better at moving? And if you're getting better at moving, that means that we're eventually going to get you lifting more weight. Sure. And when you get better at lifting more weight, then over time, we can get you stronger. And as we get you stronger, you're going to build muscle. And as you build muscle, you're going to start to see the body fat change. And he looks at me and goes, I've never heard of it like that. I said, but you know that in business intuitively, don't you? He goes, well, that's exactly how I run my business. I said, run exactly. your life the same way. Your KPIs have got to be relevant for the time and the goal. So anybody that's out there that's listening to this and you say that you want to see those results quick, you wouldn't do that to your business. So you can't do that to your body. Yeah. But- I, that's a great way to look at it. I think having that conversation and tying it back to something they're good at, right? business yeah. planning, business yeah. objectives is a great way to go. Oh, I guess I never thought of that analogy. Yeah. Right. So think of this with long-term back to our very initial part of the conversation. That's such an important thing is the timing and the goals. Yeah. Time is another interesting one. So, you know, you talk about getting up at uh, a certain time every day. I, I figured out and I had to redo the math because I wasn't sure if I had my math uh, correct, but I I used to get up uh, between five to five thirty. Mm-hmm. So I finally said, you know what? I want to create more time for myself. I want to be able to do more. So little by little, I worked my way back to a 4 a.m. wake up time. Yep. And that gives me an extra 365 hours in the year by getting yeah. up an hour earlier. 100%. Which equates to 15 days yeah. in the year. I have 15 more days than most people. I have 15 more days than the rest. Now, the average wake up time in the US and Canada is around 7 a.m. And so if you think about it in in those terms, so that gives me three hours a day that I'm up for 360 
five days. Whoops, I did my math wrong here. Times three, six, five. That gives me a total of 1,095 more hours. It's amazing. That's 45 days. It's amazing. Think about this for our listeners. If you say you don't have time, pick 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. You you got plenty of time. Plenty of time to do something. Yeah. And what do you get? get What are you giving up? Right? Right. You're probably giving up nothing of importance. No. And what I found is I can, I don't need all the sleep that I used to get. No. I actually feel so much better without it. Oh, and by the way, I don't know if people really, this is an important point. When you exercise and you break your muscle tissue down, both, and by the way, you break musculoskeletal, so your muscle and your bones down, they, you, pounding and everything just causes it to heal itself stronger. Same thing with your cardiovascular system. You stress your lungs and your exactly. heart, it builds back stronger. Right. When you sleep, that's when that happens. And your body goes through this recovery process that just literally kind of shuts your brain off and says, I'm going to focus all my energy over here yep. and heal. Uh, it is uh, it, here when people regret something, it's typically a, it, it's typically a decision they know they shouldn't have made and had control of. Yeah. yeah. No one regrets an accident or something that, but when they choose to eat a Big Mac, mm. they choose to spend six hours binging. Yep. They regret it and then it was yep. wrong. But you don't see people walking out of the gym going, wish I hadn't done that. Yeah, exactly. Made a healthy meal. Wish I would eat that. No one says that. No. no. You walk out with a little pep in your step. You can handle the day. All the right chemicals are firing in your brain. You're just ready to go. And I think that's this. Remember we talked about 30 days to lose it. It's It takes about 20 to 30 days to get that back. Where Definitely. And you just got to get through that phase of where now I start to crave it. So there's an aspect here that we are alluding to, but we haven't touched on directly Mm -hmm. yet. As you move, as you eat better, you're picking up time because your energy is different. As you pick up time, you now have more time Mm -hmm. for other pursuits. We know that one of the biggest problems is that executives, especially men, are struggling to balance everything, struggling to balance any type of connection with family. They might have a little bit of time here or there, but there's not a lot of connection. Sure. Spiritual depth is not there. Now, I know that this balance, this passion that you have, because you talk about a lot of things on the professional side, but I know that the passion that you have is the tie between health, fitness, family, spiritual connection, that all of these things are just where your true passion is. Mm -hmm. Talk about how, as you have continued to live this healthy life, you've given yourself time to invest in those other areas. Great question. I I think this is something I've learned over the past few years. Mm. Um, So when when I drove to an office and did that for 30 years, I got up, like anybody else, and I went to work. I had to figure out how to get this in. So I, I learned to become efficient with my time. Mm. All my workout stuff was packed. My smoothie was made the night before. My gym bag was packed. I got up in the morning, five, went downstairs, closed the rest of my, and everything was outside of my room. So I didn't wake my wife up. 
got dressed, made a cup of coffee, drove to the gym, worked out. If the gym was in the office, even better. Otherwise I drove to work. Um, I learned that I would, that's when I, I did my meditation and my prayer to and from work. Mm. So if I had a 30 minute commute, radio was off and that's when I would pray and meditate. And I, it was good enough, Steve. It wasn't perfect because I'm paying attention to traffic. I get, I get lost in a thought about work or something. Yeah. It was, it was average, but I was still there. I'm yeah. still doing it. Um, when I started to work from home during COVID, I lost that commute time. So I had to try to figure out how to get that back. So I got up uh, about 45 minutes to an hour earlier and spent the first 45 minutes to an hour every day in meditation and prayer. Mm. And, um, and some, and that used to be sitting quietly in my home in the dark by myself, which I love. It's one of my favorite times of the day with the sun's coming up. It's just so peaceful. Yeah. And now I've shifted that to, geez, dude, what are you doing sitting? So now I walk. Yeah. I walk great. around my town at dark in, in, and I pray for an hour. Yeah. And, and sometimes I'm just talking to God about this or that, talking about my kids or whatever it is. But now I come back, I've moved. I don't drink coffee until I'm done with that. So I've kind of addressed the whole cortisol issue, which is a separate podcast. So I've got my meditation in, I've moved my body, I have a cup of coffee, and that is when my creative time is at its best. I sit at my computer and I do all my creative thinking, my LinkedIn engagement and posting. And I've shifted my workouts to lunch now because during the middle of the day, I found because I'm not moving around, I need that that physical break during the day to kind of put my morning behind me, clear my head and my brain, and then focus on the afternoon with, with a Love different that. set of energy. Love so, um, and you know, I, I've, I've always could have been better being present, but, uh, when I'm, when I'm with my family, I try to be with my family, try mm -hmm. to keep my phone turned off. I'm not, I've, there've been times where I've been horribly shitty at it. <laughs> Um, I think we've all been there. Yeah. Yeah. But I've, I've tried to be a little bit more thoughtful with that as well. That's a great way to, it, it's funny. It, I, you're talking and I'm smiling, not just because I love what you're saying, but because I can, I can resonate with it. Sure. My prayer meditation time was when I would commute. Yeah. Most of the time the, uh, the radio was off or it was off for at least a part of the time, depending on sure. how long I was going. Absolutely. And that was my time to talk to God. That was my time to go deep in, in my soul and Absolutely. I could kind of zone out. And then as I've shifted to where I'm not commuting and I've got much less time or I, I had, I had to figure out, I had to say, okay, well, what does this look like? I started with seated meditation and yeah. like you, I went more towards movement because I found movement got my my emotions going, it got my mind going. It get, got me into a creative space where absolutely, I don't, I don't know of many people that I could just sit and have a conversation with where they don't necessarily respond back with words mm -hmm. and do that seated and stay focused. And yeah. so, because I know that I'm not going to be talking to God and he's going to talk back, or if he does, then I mm -hmm. probably better go check myself into a mental hospital <laughs> Yeah, that it's better if I just go walk. Because I listen yeah. differently when I go do that. So I am 100% with you resonating with, with what well, you're talking about. And if you live in a beautiful part of the country like you do, and North Carolina is a beautiful part of the country as well, yeah, yeah. I tend to notice things I would not normally notice. Yes. And I love, my wife and I walk a lot together. We're going to go for a walk here this evening. Probably, by the way, I don't know about you. I have a hard time walking with my women's hips and men's hips just move differently. She walks yes. like she's... She walks with such an angry purpose. <laughs> and there are That's times great. like, babe, you've just got to slow down. So it's uh, a workout. 
And she's already worked out today. We'll go for a walk. But when I walk by myself and I'm in my prayer meditation state, I just tend to appreciate everything around me so much differently. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's a centering thing. And I, I, people think, oh, you're crazy. It's not, I'm not, it works. You've got to have something spiritual in your life that's bigger than you. It's more important to you. You have to have someone you're grateful to and for. Yeah. Um, and, and unless you, and, and sometimes you just got to talk to them. Like it's not pretty sometimes like God, look, you know, I got this going on. I don't really know what the answer is, but you know, I could use some help. And, yeah. and two days later that help shows up. You don't know how or why it just does. Yeah. yeah. So there's something about nature. And I, I love that you reference nature because of the observation. I think that one of the most important things to do in life is to start to observe because when you observe, yeah you become grateful. When you become grateful, you start to love. When you love, life gets so much easier. Nature, everything in nature obeys the laws to which it was created for. The tree grows the way it was supposed to, the rock rolls the way that it was designed to. And we don't always, we like to go against nature. We like to put things in our body that don't go with the nature of who we are and what we are. And so by getting away and getting into nature where everything obeys the laws of creation, it recenters. It does something to the soul. Oh, and yeah. if somebody's not in the habit of doing that, I would highly recommend give yourself six months and just daily go get time in nature. Go yeah. spend time and observe. And as you observe, you'll become grateful. And as you become grateful, you will start to love more 100%. yourself and everything else. Well, people, I know we're uh, coming up on our time here, but I want to just run through a, a few uh, final questions for you. I've loved our conversation and I yeah. uh, would love to have you back uh, again. But um, what what is it right now in your life that you feel like you're most proud of? Oh, my family. It's easy. Uh, I had, uh, I'm mentoring a young man and he really sharp kid. And he, he asked me two questions. He said, what's your, what's your biggest regret professionally? And I had a long list I could walk them through. <laughs> and he said, what's your biggest regret personally? And I said, I don't have one. He said, and he was, he was shocked. He said, what do you mean? I said, look, I, I had always been the perfect husband, perfect father, perfect friend. But the body of work I'll put up against anything I've ever done in my entire life. I love my kids. Love that. Love my wife. I was their parent when I needed to be their parent. Now I have the pleasure and joy of being their friend. I'm still their yeah. dad. Yeah, but they're my friends now, and and my closest friends. I love them dearly, and I'm blessed to be able to look at my wife after 30 years of marriage, and and still want to spend every waking moment with her. Yeah, and and it was love at first sight, which is unusual. I knew the moment. I knew the moment I saw her. It's kind of cliche, but I did. So um, I married well. There have been ups and downs, but uh, without a doubt, my family is the greatest joy. Now, my little grandson is the 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 best. So very fulfilled there, Steve. Very fulfilled. Absolutely love that. Pete, what do you do to tap into your innate creative power? Um, that's a great question. I uh, household household projects, like things around the house, like fixing this doing something to add value to our home. I love being creative there. I love tools. I love working. I love getting lost in a project for six hours by myself um, and finding something that's not quite right and have to work my way around it. That's where my creative juices get the most excited. I call it, I call it MacGyvering. If I can MacGyver, Ooh, yeah. Yeah. that gives me, and my kids are like, how'd you figure that out? I'm like, I don't know. I just did this. <laughs> that's awesome. 
so that's uh that's a great question. I have no one's ever asked me. That's a great question. Great, great way to uh to spark that uh, creativity. Yeah. Uh, let's talk disruption. Uh disruption has to happen before most points of evolution. How do you disrupt your life in order to spark new growth? Uh getting uncomfortable. So for for me, uh probably the the, the way I'll disrupt my current path is uh through mentorship. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, I have, at various times in my career, got so consumed working in the business, I stopped working on myself uh, and working on the business and uh, and both floundered. So by surrounding myself with people who I respect dearly, you know, incredibly well and who are not afraid to call bullshit, um, I have one mentor in particular who's really, really good at asking the tough questions like, Pete, what, what really motivates you? No, mm. what really motivates you and how do you tap into that what pisses you off and why and how do you how, what what do you suck at and how you solve that problem so mentorship helps me disrupt my own journey and put me on a better path great answer i love that last question for you as you have evolved what is a belief that you used to hold on to that you no longer do i used to believe there was one type of parenting hmm. And, uh, I know I, by the way, there are, I do believe there are basic guardrails in, in place for parents. Parenting's hard. Parenting yeah. is a full-time has to be a very intentional job. So, yeah. um, kids need discipline. They need boundaries. They need to be told you love them. They need to be told they were wrong. They need to be know there are, there are consequences. They need to be rewarded when they're right. But that, that takes energy and time. I think yeah. where my belief changed is. I kind of thought I could communicate with all three of my kids the same and get mm. the same results. What I learned, fortunately, at, at an early age before I created any problems with my family is that all of my kids communicate very differently. And I was the one who had to adjust my communication style. I still, the lines were still there, but how I communicated around the lines had to change. And uh, for me, that's a, uh, and that's why I, it's actually one of the reasons I created my podcast, Eating Crow, because I ate some crow around that. My belief had to change, uh, for that, to, for that to get set right. So, and I, I give my wife a lot of credit, my faith, a lot of credit for helping me through that. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful answer. Well, and on that note, folks, it is time for us to wrap up another episode of the Evolve podcast. I want to thank our guest, uh, Pete Duran for joining today. Uh, Pete, you've got a lot of great content that you put out there. I know, uh, I follow you on LinkedIn and I listen to your eating crow podcast, uh, for people who want to continue to learn from you and gain more wisdom, what's the best uh, place for them to find you? Well, first of all, if they they should aim higher. <laughs> what's that? They, sh- they should aim higher. They should go follow you, not me. <laughs> there there um, you go. Okay. Uh, LinkedIn is probably the best place. That's probably where I'm most most active. Uh, they can you know they can probably find they can find the podcast on my LinkedIn profile. Um, I try to post every day about something I've learned from other people. I don't mm. typically post very often about things I have done correctly, but. Um, in talking to a lot of really brilliant, smart, talented people, I like to share their stories and content as much as possible. Love that. So Pete Durant on LinkedIn and then the Eating Crow podcast. I think one of the things I loved about your podcast when I found it was uh, the fact that you're talking about challenges and mistakes that people have had and how they overcome them. Because I think we learn more from our mistakes than we do from the successes in life. So absolutely. Well, Pete, thanks again for coming on. And uh, hey, remember, folks, that it does take time and consistency to evolve. But first, you have to disrupt. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Evolve Podcast. Follow us on your favorite podcast app, and if you haven't done so, please give us a rating. As an independent podcast, it really helps us get more reach. This podcast is part of our mission to help millions of people evolve into the best versions of themselves. Please check out our coaching services at evolve-cast.com or pick up some of our Evolve merch. Until next time, keep evolving.